Hey everyone, great to see you this Good Friday. It's a bit curious to think that I'm the one designated to teach on kind of the saddest day of the year, right? I know, I mean, a lot of our teaching pastors are pretty funny, but I especially always like bringing in humor and laughter to whatever I do. Well, good luck with that today, I guess. Uh, so while I'm not gonna be joking around, I hope that you lean in for today's message. Today, we pause to look at the cross and wonder why, despite the horrible events that we're commemorating, we still call this Good Friday. You know, there's something about a long, loving look at the cross that changes things. Cardinal Jean-Marie Lustiger was Archbishop of Paris from 1980 to 2005, and he told this story about how three boys decided to play a trick on a local priest by going into the confessional and confessing all kinds of wild, imaginary sins. The first two did it and then ran away laughing. But when the third one, who happened to be Jewish, had his fun, the priest said that he was going to give him a penance. And he pointed at the large statue of the crucified Jesus on the other side of the church. And the priest said, I want you to go up to that statue. I want you to look that figure in the face and say three times, you did all that for me and I don't give a damn. And so the boy, with much bravado, walked to the other side of the church and stood underneath that statue. And, and he said it once, he said it again, and then he found he couldn't say it a third time. He broke down and he left the church changed. And the reason we know that story is true because I was that young man, the archbishop said. Jean-Marie Lustiger became a Christian against the wishes of his Jewish family. He later became a bishop against the wishes of many in France because he was Jewish. They saw him as an outsider. But for the rest of his life, he lived for Christ and he lived by the love that he encountered that day under the crucifix. Man, what a story. And I hope that today, you too might be changed, that as we gaze together at the cross, as we spend these next minutes looking at the events and some of the images of these events in history that changed everything, that by looking at the cross, that you and me too would have a similar encounter with God. I'm addressing you today from this amazing spot at the beautiful San Damiano Retreat Center, uh, right in between the San Ramon and Walnut Creek area churches that are part of Cornerstone Fellowship. And I came here to, together with you, remember the sacrifice of Jesus. As we reflect on this most pivotal moment in history, I want to invite us to take a closer look at the significance of Christ's death and resurrection and then kind of maybe take you around the grounds to show you how Christians across the centuries have used images like these, depicting the stations of the cross to connect and remember the events of this terrible but history-altering week. The stations of the cross here at San Damiano are located in a beautiful oak orchard, as you can see, and were created in 1964 by artist Francesco Parente of Italy. And they love visitors up here. You can come up here by yourself or with others for maybe a silent one day retreat or stay a few nights. Um, I've put some information in the notes that accompany this message to help you find out more. 
There are 14 images here that depict the journey of Jesus towards the cross. And each station represents an important moment in Jesus's passion. Now the word passion comes from the Latin word passio, which means suffering or enduring. And the term passion has come to refer to the immense emotions and physical agony experienced by Jesus during his final hours, from his condemnation by Pontius Pilate to his crucifixion and, and his burial. And these stations provide us with an opportunity to really reflect on the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us and to consider the meaning and significance of his death and his resurrection. Here at San Damiano, uh, these images help visitors like us to pause and reflect. We can do that too. Now, wherever you are at the moment, whether you're by yourself or with someone or with a group even, I hope that these next few minutes will allow you to sit in the events that we remember on Good Friday. Events that are so hard to take in even if the events lead to good. Maybe that's why they call it Good Friday. We have to try to keep that in mind as we see these heartbreaking images. At every moment during the agonizing Friday hours, we see the power of sin and death at work. And all of a sudden, the veil between what's visible here on earth and what's invisible in the heavenly rail becomes very, very thin, that veil. Jesus' friends and family members are there to see that. Um, the people he encountered and spoke to and, and taught and healed over the past years. And uh, they witnessed him walk to the place where they executed him. And they saw that veil thinning. The men who were crucified on crosses right next to him, they recognized it. Even the executioners who hammered the nails to hang him on that cross recognized it. Heaven and earth coming together in that moment and things were about to change dramatically. We look at images to remember the events of Good Friday following Jesus' example. Uh, Jesus had been teaching and telling his friends about what was gonna happen to him that terrible day, uh, predict, pred predicting future events, so to speak, using various images and illustrations himself. Uh, here are just a couple of examples from the Gospels. He talked about how he would be like green wood being burnt when all around were dry sticks ready for kindling. Uh, he said he was going to be like a he was going to be like a landowner's son killed by evil and selfish renters, uh, tenants. He compared himself to a hen that gathers her chicks under her wings to protect them from a barnyard fire. And then, as we learned in the Palm Sunday message by John Orozco, uh, he would drink from a cup and undergo a baptism, both of which speak scripturally of judgment that was about to come. And here's another cryptic image that Jesus uses in preparing his friends for what's yet to come. He said, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. In Mark there, he's quoting from Zechariah uh, that he would be struck down like a shepherd. Why don't you make a plan to read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in the weeks to come to read this imagery in its context. And as he's painting all these pictures, found both in scripture and in pretty much all strands of tradition, Jesus portrays himself as the one who would suffer death 
on behalf of others and who would turn away divine wrath so that Israel could escape the slavery of exile and be launched into the freedom of a new exodus and then to learn that this exodus, this inauguration of a new kingdom extends not just to the people of Israel, but to all. Even to you and to me is, is just amazing. We're getting pulled into the story here. Now, as we look at images today, as we slowly read the Gospels, sure, we're going you know, to read about the soldiers who beat and mock Jesus, the crowds who called for his crucifixion, um, the pain that he endured on the cross. But, and as a positive person, I try to look for silver linings always, uh, we also clearly see and understand the power of Christ at work. Uh, we see his experience and uh, we experience his love for us his willingness to endure the suffering and shame of the cross and his ultimate victory over death. But, okay, let's not skip to Easter. Let's linger here a while. Let's start at the first station where we see Jesus being condemned to death by Pilate. We see the crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And we were reminded of the power of human sin and evil, evil. I often wonder if, I don't know, would I have been one of the ones who call for Barabbas to be set free and call for the crucifixion of Jesus? Maybe. Hmm. At the second station, we see Jesus carrying his cross. You can almost feel the weight of the heavy wooden cross bearing down on him, right? Splinters digging into his skin. And we're reminded of how, how human Jesus was and of the incredible physical and emotional pain that he endured. And at the third station, we see Jesus' inevitable stumbling or falling. Uh, the Roman guards made an onlooker carry Jesus' cross for him, probably knowing that he was not going to be able to finish the trail all the way up to Golgotha. Can you imagine? You're just standing there on the side of a road watching soldiers forcing prisoners to carry their cross up a hill to their own execution, and you are pulled into the story, picked out of the crowd and, and forced to become a participant. You, you're just watching, watching. And I want to give you space here too, as you watch this message. Perhaps you feel as if you're seeing these images, you're, that you're being pulled into the story. You're suddenly starting to feel the weight of this, of this cross. And I, I want you to not look away. I want you to sit with the reality of Jesus and consider these, consider deeply even these events for yourself right now. Seeing Jesus stumble like that reminds us of Jesus' vulnerability and humanity and we're reminded of the incredible depth of God's love for us, that Jesus would lay down his divinity, his godness, and go through what was going to come next. Okay, as we continue through the stations, we're going to see Jesus being stripped of his clothing and being nailed to the cross and ultimately dying for our sins, but we also see something else. 
we start to recognize more clearly his determination to complete his mission, to defeat the powers of sin and death that had held humanity in bondage. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus achieved what no one else could. He defeated the powers of sin and death, paving the way for all of us to be set free. And as we see these images and read the accounts of the events, we see a victory, right? A victory with a capital V. v. It's unfolding before our very eyes. Are you starting to see that too? This Good Friday is set aside each year for us to pause and remember what Jesus did for us. I'm the type of person, honestly, who kind of glosses over hard things with, uh, I don't know, humor or changing the subject, being really busy, uh, a question for somebody else or about something else. But getting to pause today is too important. Again, let's look long and slowly at this story. I mean, what a privilege to arrive at this revelation, the truth that we're no longer slaves to sin and death, but are instead children of God, adopted, redeemed, restored by the power of Christ. So let us keep walking through these events, even if they make us sad, or maybe especially since they invoke such sad feelings, because in faith, we're starting to see that all this leads to a hope, a hope that can never be taken away. So we get to the 12th station where we see Jesus dying on the cross. Of course, in that moment, we see the incredible pain and suffering that he endured for us. But we also, again, see this victory approaching like, like, a, like a sun rising after a really long night. As Jesus breathed his last breath, he cried out, it is finished. And we now know that in that terrible moment, Jesus declared victory over sin and death. He opened the way for us to be reconciled to God. How can you not be changed when you look at this image? And then we get to the 14th station where we see Jesus being laid in the tomb. You know, for many, this might seem like a moment of incredible and kind of embarrassing defeat. But in reality, it was just the beginning of something beautiful. That's part of the mystery of this crucifixion. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity, as Isaiah foretells. And Jesus could not establish this new creation, this this new kingdom, without allowing the poison in that old kingdom to have its full effect. Uh, I'll quote theologian N.T. Wright here. Jesus could not launch God's kingdom of justice, truth, and peace unless injustice, lies, and violence had done their worst. And like a hurricane had blown themselves out, exhausting their force on this one spot. He could not begin the work of healing the world unless he provided the antidote to the infection that would otherwise destroy the project from within. This is how the work of Jesus' three years of ministry, uh, the teaching, the healings, the celebrations, the forgiveness, the, the, the changed hearts, they all look forward to this moment, all of it for me, all of it for you, for us, 
as we celebrate on Easter, just, just a few days later, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating the powers of sin and death once and for all. So my friends, as we reflect on the events of Good Friday, gazing at images that make up the stations of the cross, gazing at the cross, let us remember the incredible sacrifice, again, that Jesus made for us. Not to feel guilty, not to feel defeated, not to feel responsible, but instead with gratefulness. In the hours between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, let me suggest that you spend some time by yourself or with your family or friends with this story, with these images. And you can do that by reading, watching, talking, praying, giving, and reflecting. First of all, you can read the Bible story of the crucifixion. There's many different Bible translations available, so you can find one that you like or that's appropriate for your family. Uh, you can find children's Bibles that include illustrations of the crucifixion story. Or you can watch, watch a movie about the crucifixion. Uh, there's many different movies that depict the crucifixion story. Uh, you got The Passion of the Christ, uh, the Jesus film. Watching a movie can be a great way to visually understand the events of Good Friday. Good Friday. Of course, talk about the crucifixion with your family or with your friends. Talk about what you learned in today's message or in that Bible story or in that movie. And then ask your children what they think about the crucifixion story. Talk about how the crucifixion can help us to understand God's love for us. Another one is pray. Pray for those who are suffering. Good Friday is a great day to remember all those who are suffering right now in the world. Pray for those who are sick who are hungry today, who are without a home today, people who are victims of violence and oppression. Also, you can give, uh, give to charity. Good Friday is a day to remember the importance of helping others. And allow me to suggest that this might be a great time to donate to a charity that helps those on the margins. Of course, you can also give your time to help other people. And then lastly, reflect on your own life. Good Friday and Holy, or in the Netherlands we call it Silent Saturday, are days to reflect on our own life and ask ourselves what we can do to live a more meaningful life, more compelled by the words and actions of Jesus, and ask ourselves what we can do to show God's love to others, what we can do to bring the kingdom of God that Jesus started to our coworkers, to our family members, and to our neighbors. And I think these steps will help us hold on all weekend long to the truth that we are no longer slaves to sin, slaves to death, but instead we are children of God, redeemed and restored by the power of the cross. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful place and we thank you for the opportunity to reflect, to pause and to look long at the cross. Help us, Lord, never to forget the lengths at which you went to redeem the world, to redeem everything that was broken, to start the restoration of all things. And Lord, I want to thank you for starting the restoration of me back then as well. Lord, that with my, in my relationship with God, Lord, I can now become more and more like you each day. Lord, help us not to rush to Resurrection Sunday, but instead to pause here long enough, Lord, to gaze at the cross in a way that it would change us. 
Change us today, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.